Week 18's all about the motivations. Which players have contract incentives to hit? Which teams are still playing for seeding or something else? Which records are out there to be broken? And do you have the motivation to care about it all? Let's talk about it right after this very short intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Another week here on Splash Play Solo Spags Edition today. Uh, but we are here going to dig into week 18. And I'll waste no time pulling this one up on the screen. You can actually see my show notes here. Not beautiful, but certainly will be functional today. Some of the key news will hit on top before we get into the contract motivations, the various incentives, the records, all of that, and some playoff stuff. And then we'll do the ride or die picks at the end. But Mar Hamlin breathing on his own can talk is pretty good news as well. Uh, certainly was also on a FaceTime this morning talking to the team. Team, giving some positive stuff out there. So those are nice things to hear about a guy that obviously we've heard a lot of news about this week. Um, I will give my one sort of contrarian take here. The doctor replying to him, his first written note saying, did we win? First of all, classic football guy move. Have to love DeMar Hamlin for that. Second of all, the doctor replying with, oh, you've won the game of life, son. <laughs> like, I don't know that that's the kind of doctor approach I would want for myself personally. Uh, I think it feels like the doctor's kind of jonesing for his own book deal or something like that with that reply. But very cute, I'm sure, to the people out there a little bit less cynical than I am. Shouts to Chad as well, joining up just the right time for me to bash the doctors doing great work for players that we've seen in tragic situations on national TV. And shouts all the winners of the best ball manias, all the DK tournaments as well. Uh, certainly something that uh, I'm a little bit tilted about, but not tilted enough to sort of justify any sort of real anger relative to a real life situation that we saw firsthand that, again, personally affected me. Like my heart was racing, like I was freaking out about it. So I certainly get that stuff. And congrats to the winners, of course, Pat Corain in particular, and less so the people that actually spent $100,000 to win their $100,000 on entries, uh, but I, that's neither here nor there. Other key news, so the motivations here for Buffalo, Kansas City, we got some Week 17 ruminations here of that game being canceled. If Buffalo and Kansas City win or tie, the Buffalo-Kansas City AFC title game would be at a neutral site. The but oh here we go for real spags that someone said it I'm not sure if you're talking about the doctor part or the other part but Casey I will take it either way from you Buffalo Kansas City lose Cincinnati lose and the Buffalo Kansas City AFC title game will be at a neutral site so basically there's a pretty good chance here of the game being at a neutral site now if that Kansas City somehow does lose that game obviously it opens up a little bit more but if Buffalo wins if Kansas City wins it's gonna be a neutral site AFC title game if Buffalo and Kansas City lose Cincinnati win Buffalo and Kansas City or Cincinnati and Kansas City will be a neutral site game uh, in the AFC title game. So that's the same thing there. You guys have seen this already, so I'm just kind of digging through it. For the sake of completeness here, for the sake of covering everything, for the people that are really too lazy to dig through all the, the shitty news sources out there. And I will say one thing that I noticed uh, when I was kind of digging through and doing my research to make sure that I'm giving you guys the right info, as I always try to make sure to do here. Um, there's some stats out there, which I saw floated on Twitter, which are not accurate. And also some ones in articles from like fantasy sites that have been around for a while that also had some inaccurate data in there about guys, yardage stats and all that. Um, just something to keep in mind that, you know, in this industry right now, as I've kind of talked about over my career and uh, over the last year, especially, uh, the bar for things being right is a little bit lower, uh, I think across the industry this year. So sometimes people don't do the legwork. Sometimes people don't fact check things. Sometimes people just copy paste stuff from other things into their Twitter threads and whatever. So just keep that in mind to going through stuff because that's something that I encountered this morning while trying to double check some stuff out there. The Giants are going to rest starters in week 18. Tyrod Taylor to start. Uh, he's talking about it being his redemption song after a couple of bad starts. Obviously, the charter situation getting a needle in his ribs uh, that ended up puncturing his lung. Not the thing you wanted for him. So maybe he'll be a little more motivated to beat the Eagles, but still the Giants not playing their key guys. They already don't have a ton of talent anyway, so I wouldn't expect a lot from Tyrod Taylor there. 
Bucks not likely to play the full game in week 18. Does seem like they're going to play a little bit, but there's also a chance some starters could rest. I haven't heard anything about Tom Brady not starting yet, but it's possible that could come out today. Maybe he sits in practice. Maybe he's kind of been going through the motions throughout the week and they ramp him down. I'm not saying that's for sure a thing, but it's something to be aware of here because week 18 is all about knowing where there's potential potholes to go to. I think there's some fraction of the field that still might chase Tom Brady and Mike Evans after what they did last week. So keep that in mind. I would probably not play any Bucks starters this week. Baltimore, even though they seemingly do have some things to play for. Seems likely they're going to start Anthony Brown. Uh, so some possible starter rest across the board for the Ravens. They theoretically could upset the Bengals hopes. They could also, I guess, get some better spots for themselves, but that seems to not be a priority with Lamar's health with also trying to keep Tyler Huntley safe, which is interesting to note here that they are pulling Tyler Huntley. So perhaps Lamar might not be back in time for the wild card route. Something to keep in mind for your playoff drafts. Cause I've certainly taken a lot of Lamar on the assumption. He's going to be back out there for the wild card. And then uh, this news item is probably the least sexy of them all. Mike White ruled out, but Joe Flacco is going to start versus Miami. So that is kind of an important one. Flacco's actually been the best deep ball thrower in the Jets this year. It's maybe not saying much given what Zach Wilson's done, given that Mike White's a little bit more of a check down guy who does sometimes extend the field. That's not really his core functionality there. So some possibility of Corey Davis could have some upside here one more time. Garrett Wilson, perhaps. Uh, certainly not a, a tough match against Miami's defense, but still one uh, where they would be playing to play the spoilers for Miami because Miami can get in if New England were to lose their game. All right, so here's the tough one to scroll through. Playoff implications. You can see it on the screen, so you can track it along with me as I talk through it. So the Giants are locked into the number six seed. They're going to play Minnesota or San Francisco. Looks like it's most likely Minnesota by a wide margin. Same thing for the Bucks. Bucks are locked into the number four seed. We'll play either Dallas or Philadelphia, most likely Dallas, because a Philadelphia win, which goes on the same time as Dallas and San Francisco's game, that would make Dallas's game meaningless for them. So that is one where if the you know if the Eagles certainly boat race the Giants right away, Cowboys could pull starters at halftime. Dak has talked about wanting to have the starters at least play a little bit, but still a chance that they might not play that full game no matter what the outcome is. They are in a pretty tough situation to sort of project. So I would say for this one, Dallas to me kind of seems like a stay away this week. Uh, Philly, certainly a team you can go to. The Niners seem like a team you can go to. Dallas, though, out of those three, the big three in the NFC, feels like they're the one that has the least motivation to actually play full go this week. Seattle needs a win to have a Green Bay loss on Sunday night football get them in. If Seattle loses and Detroit beats, uh, beats Green Bay, they're in. And if Green Bay wins, they're the one that trumps everything. A Seattle win wouldn't matter. Green Bay would get themselves in with the win. So keep that in mind for Sunday night football if you are playing the showdown slate on Sunday. The Jags-Titans winner gets the number four seed, the wild card home game as well, which is why the Chargers have been playing to keep the five seed. They could also land the sixth seed and end up playing, the uh, not the winner, but one of Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Buffalo. Uh, that's one of those spots where it does feel like the Chargers are most likely to end up in that Jags-Titans game, going to whoever is going to have that game in the AFC South. But it's an important one to keep in mind here. Chargers playing on the road either way, but they would be facing a softer Jags-Titans matchup as opposed to the Bengals, who you'd have to think would probably put up a lot of points against the Chargers. New England wins, they are in, and it would eliminate Miami and Pittsburgh. If Tennessee wins and Buffalo beats, so here's this is the, the one where your brain starts to spin a little bit. If Tennessee wins and Buffalo beats New England, and also New England obviously would lose there, Miami and Pittsburgh also lose, then Jacksonville would make the playoffs still over New England, Miami, and Pittsburgh, given the fact that Buffalo now has motivation to play this game, which is sort of my concern when we were talking about the possibility of a cancellation. It does seem like there is a shot for uh, the, I guess, Jacksonville to completely backdoor this one in. Um, is it the likeliest thing? I'm not sure that Miami and Pittsburgh both lose, but certainly Joe Flacco's had some upside this year. Pittsburgh has certainly shown the ability to give games away. So that's a possibility that is live today. If you have been drafting both, for some reason, drafting both Titans and Jaguars in your playoff best ball drafts, that's one that'll certainly have some value for you out there.
I mean, we're not going to do a playoff best ball draft today. I'm going to be jamming them all week long next week. But check the link in the description when this video is over because I will have a link to yesterday's streamathon yesterday of a playoff best ball draft, which was a lot of fun. You got to see different draft formats, different teams, different approaches, including one of me just spitefully going after a guy who took two quarterbacks in the turn in the first and second round because that's the kind of guy I am at this point with how best ball went. The motivation, some records on the line we'll talk about first. And again, shout out to the chat as well. Shout out to the people filing in, filing in right now. Launchable Connoisseur saying we are live. Um, I'm not sure if Pete's doing a stream later today. We talked a little bit this morning. I think Pete's taking a step back with everything that's been going on this week. So uh, just something to keep in mind there. But I think he's going to do his cash game stuff later today. So if you guys are looking for Pete, my apologies on him not being here today. But obviously, check out his channel, see what he's doing later on today. Justin Jefferson, 193 yards away from tying Calvin Johnson's record, 229 yards away from 2,000 receiving yards. Also, I have to interrupt myself to uh, read a quality chat here that's saying I did something good. The spike draft is by far the best. Maybe we'll do a spike draft day next week. I don't know. We'll see how it goes because I had some money to blow. I'll get my BBM, whatever, 1,500 bucks that'll come my way. <laughs> with the joys of not week 17 not going off uh that's fine anyway justin jefferson you talked about he's on the thumbnail i think he's one of the decision points you have to make this week do you really think the vikings can feed him enough here against a chicago team that's absolutely bad enough to give up this level of production will they do that i think it's certainly within the range of outcomes um I would say if I had to put a probability on it, does I? So we do, of course, at my startupproblyapp.com, which you should get on the wait list for yourself at, because it looks like we're finally get the going to get the beta out right before the Super Bowl. So probablyapp.com, P-R-O-B-L-Y-A-P-P.com. Go get on that wait list, and you'll get an email newsletter from me every week as well. Uh, but basically with the probability stuff, I would say this one for Justin Jefferson a pretty long shot, but I think he can tie Calvin Johnson's record or break it. I would say that's got a decent shot to happen, you know, not a 50% one, but I would say 20% that they just give them the ball over and over and over again because the Bears aren't going to stop them. And I think that's one thing, too, where you have the confidence shaking week 17 you want. If you're the Vikings, you know your offense is the only hope to get you anywhere in the playoffs. So I think it's not crazy to expect a 10-15 target game for Justin Jefferson. And what if he catches 15 for 15? Like, that could literally be the 200-yard day. So I would say DFS wise I'll have some exposure to Justin Jefferson buying when there's blood in the streets after again he killed about 50% of best ball lineups last week I think it's a pretty smart move also killed all the people playing him in tournaments as well I think that to me this record is the one that I'm targeting the most this week and it makes him for a pretty good tournament play even though obviously you're not going to say that's a, a sure thing by any stretch Patrick Mahomes 430 yards to break the passing record I'll highlight these as he goes I probably should have been um that's one where it's certainly in range for him the Chiefs one thing and this is kind of anecdotal I feel like the past, in the past, the Chiefs have sort of been like, we're not going to force these guys to put up big production just to try to break a record. Uh, so I think if the game is in hand, you could see Mahomes not get there. If the Vegas if the Vegas side of things does what they're supposed to and does what they were, showed what they were capable of last week, where they beat a much tougher Niners defense. Like the Chiefs defense is legitimately not that good. The Niners defense is very good. And Jared Stidham threw all over him, like a really good game calling plan. There are some Twitter threads out there. I think Stephen Rees over at the Ringer did a good breakdown of it, talking about how they kind of schemed some stuff up, did some uh, actual pre-scripted plays and all of that to try to get take advantage of the Niners. Can he do that against the Chiefs? I would think so. It's just a matter of Jarrett Stidham executing. And it could be a little bit of a Gardner Minshew thing where the first game is good, then you get some film, the second game goes down quite a bit. Your mileage may vary, but I would say if you're going to play Patrick Mahomes this week, uh, which a lot of people will on that Saturday drafting slate, I would try to bring back somebody from the Raiders side. Um, I would maybe consider, you know, going to one of the pass catchers, you know, first and foremost. But I think Zamir White is talked about. I think he's a play that's going to get some burn this week. Maybe not the full run because Josh Jacobs, I believe, needs 150 yards to set the Raiders rushing record. But I don't know that that matters compared to Josh Jacobs being healthy going into the offseason in a contract year. So you kind of have to weigh what that approach is. Uh, if you're 
playing multiple lineups, obviously try to play different outcomes, but that's what the Saturday slate on DraftKings is going to be, just figuring out what you want to play. And I would say trying to load up a little bit more on Jags Titans. Justin Herbert needs 34 completions to set the record. I believe he's hit that mark uh, two or three times this year. So he's certainly capable of doing that. Has been taking a lot of checkdowns this year, certainly a lot of short throws. Uh, is that something that he cares a lot about? I don't know, but it is one that sort of could go hand in hand, especially with this one coming up next. Austin Eckler needs 14 catches to set the running back pass record. Uh, that's one that seems within range for him. It's just a matter of like, can you feed him the ball over and over and over again? I'm not so sure about that one. Maybe we'll talk about it more when we get to the Chargers game and look at the matchups a little bit more. And I will give some of the data stuff I normally give in my, my short-form data video as we go through game by game and do the ride or die picks. But I do think Eckler here in this spot, it's a possibility. I would probably play some Chargers just in the hopes that these two motivations kind of align and then you have a pretty obvious stack to go to. Um, and that sort of cuts down that parlay as we always try to talk about. That's the value of stacking up your QB. But it is interesting to note that basically Herbert and Eckler could both set their records and do it in concert. And that's something to keep in mind. Milestones for rookies. Kenneth Walker needs 64 rushing yards for 1,000. Tyler Algier needs 100 rushing yards for 1,000, which is kind of crazy given the fact that he probably is a... I feel like wasn't that good week to week for the most part till the end of the year and then still is going to hit a thousand, but that's what the 18 game season does. Chris Olave, 18 receiving yards from a thousand. So those guys are all within range. Obviously, if you're trying to play Kenneth Walker because of him getting 64 rushing yards, that's not going to be enough to get you there, especially with his lack of pass game work overall. Same thing for Olave, like that's one catch and then you can pull him and not play him the rest of the game. So I wouldn't force those guys in. The Algier one kind of interesting, though, because he is going to be chalky, is going to be well projected according to a lot of the top sites out there. So maybe force a little bit of Algier in there and, and get one more stab at him before people really drive up his price in the offseason. Lunchable kind of sourcing. I'm definitely playing a record-breaking narrative lineup. The tough part of that is that you're going to find that one guy or one team is not motivated to actually set the record, and it's going to be like, oh, wow, Justin Herbert actually did complete 34 passes, 14 of which went to Austin Eckler. Oh, but they they pulled the Chiefs receivers after the first quarter because they were up 40 points <laughs> on the Raiders. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. They saw the, the phlegm back up here. That's so sexy for broadcasting. But yeah, definitely one of those things that I would say, you know, if you go balls out with it, I would try to sprinkle in little bits with normal projected players if you can, uh, but certainly doing one line up here, thrown into the Millie maker or something like that. Take your shot if you can. And the Galladay incentive, what is that? 75 catches for him to get $750,000 for Dylan here. Uh, I don't think that one's the most likely to happen, but he's not one of the starters. So if he's out there, maybe Tyrod Taylor will feed him 75 times. So just stick it to the Giants one more time on the way out. Contract incentives. Christian Kirk needs two catches for a $500,000 bonus and 91 yards to trigger another $500,000 bonus. This one's pretty interesting to me because I think, you know, Christian Kirk, uh, again, is somebody who follows the wags of the NFL. Uh, shout out to our guy, Mathology. I certainly have seen uh, the Lawrence family and the Christian Kirk family, very close friends. They go travel to Europe together. They've done some stuff across the summer, going to Cabo and things like that, or, you know, whatever, whatever island area that in my mind I file the way is Cabo. Um, basically, like, Christian Kirk, this is entirely within his range of outcomes for sure. Uh, certainly the team, I'm sure, would love to pay him a little bit less money given how the fact that Zay Jones has probably outproduced him uh, relative to what their roles are, what their contracts are. But Christian Kirk, I think, could get fed the ball here. The two catches seem like a sure thing. 91 yards, not crazy either. It is a playoff game, though, for them where basically, you know, it's winning, you're in, and they have that faint chance still of losing and getting in. So, like, this is one where 
I wouldn't try to chase the Jags contract motivation too much because they're going to play the way they have to play to win that game. But it is important to keep in mind, Kirk has those milestones. As well, Zay Jones needs two catches for a $250,000 bonus, 98 yards for a $500,000 bonus. Same thing for Evan Ingram. He needs 61 receiving yards for a $200,000 bonus. These guys really rake it in the performance bonuses, so kudos to the Jags. I mean, it does seem you know like the pass game is not going to get more work here because of that fact. But it is a matchup here where it sets up pretty well for these guys to potentially all hit their bonuses. And if they do, it could be a spot where Trevor Lawrence gets there. We know the Titans D shuts down the run. Terrible versus the pass, especially against the deep ball. So that's something here where very possible you can see these guys hit their contracts. And then it could align pretty well for them, even though I wouldn't force them in in the hopes that they would hit their contract incentives. DeAndre Carter, the team's talked to this about the media this week, or talked to the media about this, rather. Uh, he needs two catches to earn 250K. Two PPR points from DeAndre Carter aren't going to do anything. I don't think that matters that much. Gerald Everett, five receptions, 250K, maybe a little more interesting. Has been splitting some snaps recently with Donald Parham. Even Trey McKitty was taking some snaps away. So that's something that certainly could be a tough time, but uh, I don't know for sure about that one. Nick saying just got here. Pete dodging the Friday stream. Uh, he's not dodging anything. I think it's just that he, uh, I don't want to speak for Pete, but if he's doing a stream later today, I'm sure we'll talk about it. Uh, but he's taking some time uh, ramping down his content a little bit. You can check out his takes in the Fantasy Life newsletter if you need him. But obviously, I'm here every day. I'm going to ride or die for Splash Play every day. That's all I can do. Tyler Higby needs 13 yards, hit a 500K bonus as probably the lone highlight of the Rams season. I think this one's certainly a range of outcomes that can happen. That said, it's 13 yards. And the same thing like the DeAndre Carter thing. What do those 13 yards really get you? Do you feel good about that? I guess maybe give a slight bump up to Higby if you're trying to play Seattle guys in a game that does matter a lot for them. But still, like I think Brandon Powell could get more work. I think there's a lot of guys there. You could see get more work in a week 18 where like McCutcheon's a guy. I don't know what his health status is, but he was somebody that was really good in the preseason. Maybe they want to see what he has. Uh, the Rams are a team where I would have some concerns about really relying heavily on the starters. Uh, one more Cam Akers game wouldn't surprise me, but the other guys like Tutu, maybe they want to see what he has. But um, certainly a risk profile for the Rams where they might dig deeper into their depth chart just to see if there's anybody worth keeping for next year. Hayden Hurst, I think this one's kind of interesting because he was targeted pretty heavily on Monday night. Needs 100 receiving yards for a 250K bonus, two receptions for 250K, three touchdowns for 125K. Uh, the three touchdowns one I'd probably have the least faith in, but this does give me a little bit of faith here that Hayden Hurst is a, an interesting player this week. Certainly a guy that's been a key part of this Bengals offense. Uh, also a guy that takes some stuff off the table sometimes for T. Higgins, for Jamar Chase, for Tyler Boyd. So I think Hurst to me, a play that maybe give a little bit of a boost to, uh, not one I would certainly want to lock in by any stretch, but uh, he's been a key part of what they're doing. Wouldn't shock you if they feed him the ball a little bit more. At the very least, I think he's going to get these two receptions. So, you know, at tight end, that could be enough to get you through in a week. If Juju earns two more yards, he gets a $1.5 million bonus. This is one where I think the Chiefs might not give Juju the ball at all. But uh, I think certainly uh, it seems like it'd be a lock for Juju to not get one catch for two yards in a game where they need to win. And Mahomes has had that passing record, and they're playing the Raiders. That's three things here, but it seems more likely the Chiefs are just going to have to pay that one out. And it would be funny, though, if they were just like, yeah, no targets for Juju today. Just go th throw it to Tony, throw it to Kelsey. Got some other ways to go. Jamal Williams needs six rushing yards to hit 1,000, which gets him a 250K bonus. He also needs one touchdown to tie Barry Sanders' team record. So that's both things that the media has talked about this week in Detroit, so things that I think Dan Campbell actually gave a quote about this week too. So those are things that probably are top of mind for the team. Only matters for Sunday Night Football, but Jamal Williams, I would think, uh, definitely a possibility to punch in a touchdown here. And, and really that one touchdown from seven yards out would be enough for him to get there for both records. So I would certainly put him in showdown lineups, uh, have no issue playing him there.
But also, even if Detroit uh, doesn't have a shot to make the playoffs, which is possible if Seattle wins their game, I think Jamal Williams still play. You could put in a showdown and then play the ugliness of that game. Maybe play Jamal Williams as your only lion or something like that in a 5-1 Packers build. Uh, Khalif Raymond needs 50 receiving yards for 250K, seven receptions, 250K. His snap share has been pretty low. I don't think this one hits, but I guess the Lions, if, if Seattle wins, maybe this one matters a little bit more because you could see Khalif Raymond get some more snaps, get some more burn in a game that doesn't matter. So that's one that's you know kind of up in the air right now, but maybe gives you a little bit of reason to force it, at least what the field's going to play of Khalif Raymond on Sunday night football in a game that matters a lot more for the Packers than it probably will for Detroit. All right, so there we go. So that's everything for the Week 17 Motivations. Now it's time to get into the Ride or Die picks with a little bit of our data infused there. So please, guys, smash that like button if you can. If you have any questions or things you want me to look at as we talk through it here, I'm happy to do it. But please smash that like button. Of course, subscribe to Splash Play five days a week of content. It doesn't stop. Even if it's just me here rambling to myself, that's how the channel's going to be. So just hit that like button and subscribe here. We appreciate it a bunch. Watchable kind of source saying, yeah, some gross guys still have stuff to play for. I'll do some digging tonight for a train nix or something dumb. There are some like sack guys that have stuff too, which I just don't care about that much. I really don't care if there's a little bit more pressure on one or two plays. Uh, but yeah, there's certainly some more floating around out there. These ones seem the most reliable. And there are a few where it's like, oh, this guy's got, you know, got to hit 125 yards, hit 15,000 yards on the year. I personally don't care that much about that, but the ones where it's sort of binary and it's within the range of outcomes, I think those matter a little bit more. So these are the ones that I've deemed appropriate. If you dig any more out there, feel free to tweet them at me or tweet them at Splashblade. We'll retweet them and get them out to the world. All right, let's go game by game here. Ride or die picks time. Starting with Saturday, Kansas City, 30.8 implied points. Actually, dude. Uh, no, I'm not going to check in with girl Pete. Girl Pete, I think, is kind of dead to me now. I felt like last week, low energy when Pete and I checked in. People and I, um, you know, Pete and I certainly, uh, I would have loved for her to really lean in and be a good AI chatbot and bring some joy to the show. But let's punish her by not having her on the show for a week. And then maybe we'll come back if Pete goes on me next week or something like that. All right. Uh, so starting with Saturday, Chiefs 30.8 implied points, Las Vegas 21.8 implied points. As we talked about, the Raiders D bad across the board, 24.5% DVOA boost to opposing passers, 49.8% dropback success rate, dropback EPA 0.152. Monster numbers for the Kansas City Chiefs here going against the Raiders D. It's going to be playing with even less motivation. So I would say certainly that you want to target the Chiefs passing game. On the Raiders side, uh, no, you know nothing here. The Chiefs are kind of just average across the board defensively. Nothing jumps out. They give them a 9% passing DVOA boost, which is pretty staunch contrast to what the Niners gave up. The Niners are a shutdown team. Chiefs not a shutdown team. So if you want to target Jared Stidham, I don't think it's a bad implied total. I don't think it's a bad matchup for it. And I do think a Saturday slate, like it kind of makes sense to go to Stidham when people are probably going to go heavy to Mahomes. So he's live as a play. And uh, let's make it fun. Jared Stidham projected for 16.3 points from Stochastic. My ride or die pick for this one will be Jared Stidham goes for 26.3 DK points. Uh, that'll be a 10-pointer for me here down the home stretch, uh, but certainly a spot where the better passer is going to be on the Chiefs' side. But I think Stidham is in a decent spot to keep his role going and maybe win that starting job heading into 2023. Tennessee, the winner end game, 16.8 implied points for Tennessee. Jacksonville, 23.3 implied points on their end. Jacksonville's defense, another one that's pretty much league average across the board. They are a little bit worse versus the pass, though probably not as bad as uh, some numbers out there say. DVOA-wise, the numbers look brutal. A 20% DVOA boost going against the Jacksonville passing defense. Uh, they do have a 46.1% dropback success rate, a middling EPA, 0.045 on dropbacks. So I think the pass matchup might be a little bit overrated uh, in terms of the positive EV that you would expect going against Jacksonville. 
but I still think Josh Dobbs a pretty solid play on Jacksonville side. As we talked about a bunch on the year, Tennessee just bad at defending the pass, but particularly bad at defending the deep ball. 0.780 PA on deep throws, giving up a, uh, almost a 50% completion rate on throws of 20 plus yards, 14.5% TD rate. So that is why I'm going to go in this game. I think it's going to be a Zay Jones easy touchdown, long touchdown day. I'll take Zay Jones. Um, I'll do the projection here. He's got an 11.05 projection. I'll take him getting 21.05. Zay Jones this week, I think, has the outlier day. And on the Tennessee side, for what it's worth, I do think Josh Jobs is a perfectly fine play. I did have some success last week, though. A little bit concerning that he wasn't able to complete passes or have the adjusted completion rate. I'd like to see uh, his mark of 66.7% is actually the worst of all the QBs playing this week. Something to keep in mind there, but Dobbs, Probably an upgrade on Malik Willis. They at least trust in the throw. So that's a positive there. And I still think playing a Tennessee game stack uh, with Jacksonville is probably the most EV way to approach that Saturday slate. Just because people will be jamming in a lot of Chiefs based on the projections and the ownership and all that. On a Sunday, Tampa Bay, 18.3 implied points, a four-point dog at Atlanta. So if the Tampa Bay starters play, you're probably looking at one quarter, maybe even one drive. I wouldn't even expect a half out of them. So you're probably going to see the backups here. Maybe that means some more run for Rashad White, but he's been an important part of the offense. So I wouldn't even expect that one. I would probably avoid everybody on Tampa Bay. Maybe Russell Gage you could play a little bit of. Uh, Kay Dotton I would expect to still be out there for the most part. But still, these are guys where the motivation doesn't matter, and these guys are sort of important to what the Bucs are going to do, likely playing Dallas next week. So I would say that the Bucs pretty much stay away. The Atlanta side, though, with 22.3 implied points, uh, not getting a good matchup against Tampa Bay's defense. As I've talked about a lot in the data videos, Tampa Bay forces punts at a league high rate 47% of the time. They're also forcing three and outs at a league high rate 29% of the time. So Atlanta normally would be in a tough situation, but I think this is kind of an Algiers spot. The fact he's 100 rushing yards away from 1,000 as well. Um, Tyler Algier is 100 yards and a touchdown enough for a 10-pointer? I don't know. You tell me, Chad. That's what I'm going to file away, though. If it's a three, fine. But I think based on how he's played this year, I feel like that'd be enough to get him there in tournaments. So probably enough to win them all. So I think Tyler Algier, 100 yards and a touchdown will be my ride or die pick. The Jets, 18 implied points. This one's probably going to Probably going to come down a little bit with Joe Flacco. Maybe not. Miami, 20.5 implied points. Miami needs to win this one to give themselves a shot. Um, the starter, I don't, has the starter been announced? I'm actually not sure about that one, but it's either going to be Skylar Thompson or Tua Tagovailoa. So, or not, excuse me, or Teddy Bridgewater, not Tua Tagovailoa. So keep that in mind here. Um, Miami in a bad situation either way, going against the Jets defense that shuts down everything, giving up a 22% completion rate on deep throws on the year, negative 0.49 EPA. That's the best mark in the league. That's been the best mark in the league for basically the entire year. Uh, so Miami not be able to do what they do best. I think checkdowns are on the menu again for Raheem Mostert or Jeff Wilson. Um, seeing a better projection for Jeff Wilson, which kind of surprises me. Uh, I would say based on what we've seen recently, I think Mostert's going to get a little bit more of that work. So Let's say Raheem Mostert catches 10 balls. I think last week he caught nine. So him catching 10 this week in a game where it's going to be more checkdowns, the top of the field won't be able to be blown off that well because of the Jets defense. Uh, Miami, I think, will win this game, but I think it probably won't matter relative to their playoff chances. We'll see. Um, well, we'll talk about that when we get to the Buffalo game. Minnesota, 25.5 implied points. Chicago. Uh, gets 18 implied points on their side. No Justin Fields. Nathan Peterman going to this one. Kind of a surprise. The line hasn't come down even more for the most part. But I think in this spot to me, um, I'm going to go for the Jefferson thing. Like, so it's a good matchup against Chicago, really either part of it. Passing DVOA, 23% boost. Rushing DVOA, a 10% boost. Drop back EPA, 0.189 allowed by Chicago's defense. Rushing EPA, 0.034. These are all very green numbers in my Excel spreadsheet, which means they're good numbers uh, to show. 
Uh, I, I should have pulled this up on the screen today. Oh, well, either way, Justin Jefferson, I'll go for the gusto. Justin Jefferson, over 200 receiving yards in this game. I think they're going to feed him. I think it's a confidence-building spot for a Vikings team that needs some confidence in what they did last week. So I'll say Justin Jefferson, over 200 receiving yards this week. My ride-or-die pick for 10 points. Carolina, 19.3 implied points. New Orleans, 22.8 implied points. Um, neither team has motivation in this one. Uh, neither team should want to risk hurting their starters. It seems like they both have learned a little bit about their teams and what they like and what they don't like. Uh, Alvin Kamara still getting a projection. Actually, ownership is projected to be going to New Orleans, and I don't trust that. The one guy that I do like, I talked about earlier this week, I think Rashid Shahid at 4,200, kind of interesting going against a Carolina defense that does blitz a lot, but doesn't get home a lot. 29% blitz rate, but only a 20% pressure rate. That opens up what we saw last week with Mike Evans, the deep ball getting downfield. If he forced the ball downfield, and that's basically the only catches that Rashid Shahid gets for the most part. So I think Rashid Shahid, he's got a 9.4 fantasy point projection. I think he's... um. I think he's the highest scoring player in the game. And I would say, you know, I would also give him the 10 point boost, but I'll try to get a little bit different. He's ride or die picks without pizza, nickel and dime me on the way back. But I think Rashid Shahid, nice spot for him. Certainly a, a high potential game for him. And he's a young enough guy where I think they want to see what they have. Can he be a compliment? Can he be a replacement for Michael Thomas next year? Obviously doing a different thing, but I think an Olave Shahid core at receiver is not the worst in the world. So we'll see if Shahid can live up to the hype here, but I think he's an interesting play this week against Carolina. New England, 17.8 implied points. Buffalo, 24.8 implied points. So the markets seem like they are pushing towards New England, not making the playoffs then, I guess, uh, barring the other teams losing as well. But Buffalo, this game matters now. Again, trying to play for that neutral site AFC title game. So Buffalo, I think, should be a steamroller here, potentially. Um, or is it enough to win by 17? Probably not. Um, all right, I'm seeing a, a 13.96 projection for Ramadre. We'll call that 14. 7.5 for Damian Harris. I'll say Damian Harris outscores Ramondre by seven DK points then. So that'll be enough of a spread to cover that. A 10-point swing favoring Damian Harris. As I talked about with Buffalo, one thing they struggle against, they do defend the run well. But when you break past that initial line of scrimmage, you do sometimes see big plays. They're 26th in the league going against second-level yards. I think that's where Damian Harris is a little bit more juice than Ramondre's had this year. Uh, so Damian Harris, to me, interesting player to go to this week as a pivot. Very low-owned play, but a guy that I think Belichick might trust a little bit more than Ramondre, just based on the, his, uh, the history of those guys have had so just a gut instinct play not one i would put a lot of money on but certainly one that i think is in play and worth pointing out here stefan Diggs projected to be pretty chalky i think it's gonna be a tough matchup for him i think the bills are kind of gonna do the not the bare minimum but have to do play it a little bit closer to the vest against the patriots defense and on the year number two in the league in epa per play 0.093 negative 0.093 epa per play so certainly a spot here where i think buffalo is gonna have to do what they can to get the ball downfield and i just don't think that's gonna be necessarily feeding stefan Diggs over and over again Baltimore's totals come down quite a bit. 15 implied points for Baltimore, 24 implied points for Cincinnati. In this spot, it seems like you no know, Lamar, no Tyler Huntley. Uh, going to be Anthony Brown, it looks like, going for the Ravens. He's taking all the snaps or all the first-team snaps and practice this week for Baltimore. So this spot, to me, I think is one where I would go more to the Cincinnati side. As I've talked about, Cincinnati does struggle pretty bad, or Baltimore, rather, does struggle pretty bad against the deep ball. So it should be a good spot for Cincinnati going against that. On the year, Baltimore giving up a 61% completion rate on deep throws, giving up a 20 uh, 20 yards per pass on deep throws, 0.96 EPA on deep throws, the worst mark in the league. So they're at now officially much worse than Tennessee in that stat, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, so I would say relative to tendencies, a lot of chalk ownership going into Jamar Chase. Jesus Christ. Jamar Chase projected for 17% by stochastic. Um, I would save the money and go to T. Higgins. I'll say T. Higgins. Uh, outscores Jamar Chase by eight DK points. I'm seeing an 18 DK point projection for Chase, 
14.6 for T Higgins. So that's the way I'll go. Um, but I think what we talked about with Hayden Hurst, certainly live as well on the year, uh, Baltimore top 10 defense versus tight end according to DVOA, but certainly not a, a matchup I'm afraid of with them probably resting their starters a little bit more than teams um, than people may want to adjust to Houston. 17.8 implied points. Indianapolis, 20.3 implied points in this game. That seems like it really doesn't matter. But boy, I do project there to be some chalky ownership for Zach Moss. So Kasich has him on only 8%. I think people with the week 18 stuff, with knowing that rookies and young guys and guys who are just kind of nothing running backs have gotten juiced up in week 18s and week 17s the past few years. My guess is Zach Moss doesn't come in under 20% ownership. Or if he does, it's going to be really close. So Zach Moss, I think, will be the chalk play here. And... Mm, do I want to go with the chalk? I think the chalk is going to hit here. I think Zach Moss puts up, he has a projection of 13 DK points from Stochastic. I'll say Zach Moss goes for 23 DK points here. I think these are two teams that are going to literally be wanting to run out the clock on the year. Zach Moss is a guy that kind of fits that narrative perfectly. They can see what they have in him. He can see if he has a ceiling, get himself better, you know, better situated for either the Colts future or wherever he ends up next year. So I'd say Zach Moss to me, motivated to go. And I think the chalk is going to get lucky with this one, even though Zach Moss should never be anywhere approaching 20% owned. I think he, that's going to be the case on DK, just what we know of DK and how they love chasing DVP matchups. Cleveland, 19 implied points. Pittsburgh, 21 implied points. Um, this is one where Pittsburgh needs to win to give themselves a faint shot at making the playoffs. I guess if you think New England's going to lose, Pittsburgh's shot to make the playoffs gets a little bit higher. Uh, so that's something where they'll be playing for that. But I think Cleveland's going to get off on playing spoiler here. I think Cleveland wins this one outright. It's only a two-point spread. So I'll say Cleveland wins by eight overall. I think Pittsburgh's been kind of a bad team on the year. I think one, two, where people are going to go really heavy to Najee Harris. So what blows up Najee Harris more than Nick Chubb having a big day? Maybe we see Jerome Ford get in the mix a little bit. But there's definitely something that I think is there. Shrammy saying, in honor of Pete, got to do George Pickens and the only maker winning lineup. Um, that's not the way you beat Cleveland. And I do try to avoid that for the most part, giving up a positive EPA on deep throws, but that's not like a weak spot by any stretch. Um, and, and Pete's not here. So I think this week too, Pete's only playing the cash game plays is Pickett's a cash game play. I, I wouldn't think so. So I don't want to besmirch his good name, but check in with him uh, if he's doing a stream later today and let me know his thoughts on Pickens. Uh, but I think the Cleveland upside here is what I'm going to go to. So Cleveland winning by eight is what I'll take for my 10 pointer. The giants down to a 14.5 implied point total. Philadelphia, 14-point favorite, 28.5 implied points. The boat race could be on this one. Uh, the Giants defense already not that great on the year. Only going to get worse. Um, I'll say Philadelphia scores 35 points. This is going to be a really specific one, but I think that's what makes it a 10-pointer. Philadelphia scores 35 points in the first half and doesn't play starters in the second half. It's going to be my, my ride-or-die pick for this one. Um, that'd be a concern point for you guys out there. I guess if they get five touchdowns, you could still get there. But that feels more like a Miles Sanders or a naked Jalen Hurts day than it does a full-stack day. But that's certainly one to keep in mind, and that's uh, a play that here, I think the Vegas totals are reflecting it more. If you have a lot of faith in Tyrod Taylor, who when he did play this year looked pretty much as good as Daniel Jones, and you're going to be contrarian going that way, but it's a low implied total for the Giants and one that I certainly wouldn't want to trust. Anything is a cash game play if you're brave enough. That's a good point. And a good point for Pete to keep in mind when he's going to play his cash game shells out there. I saw him tweeting about it a little bit. So hopefully the bit remains strong and you guys get some content on it later today. Dallas, 24 implied points. Washington, 17 implied points. Um, 
All right, let's get weird with this one. So I think this is one where Dallas is going to try to play a little bit to start, but I think they are going to yield in the second half based on what I'm already predicting for Philadelphia. So I'll correlate my picks. I'll parlay them together. I think that Malik Davis outscores Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, obviously, projection-wise, that's not going to look good right now. But if Malik Davis gets that second-half work, and he's not like a great player by any stretch. I don't even think, even think he's in like that Bam Knight tier of backup guys who really feel like they have some advanced stats that make them seem like they're guys who could be really good if given you know, 15, 20 times touches a game, but I think Malik Davis is going to get 15 to 20 touches here. And I also think Dallas is going to realize like, what are we playing for? We're literally locked into our spot right now. So that's something that would certainly make them not play the starters who they need in the playoffs. So keep that in mind as well. And then Sam Howell, honestly, a Sam Howell rider. I'll give a bonus Sam Howell rider die pick. Sam Howell throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Wouldn't that be fun? I'm playing some Sam Howell this week. Not a lot, but I think you got to get a taste of a guy who's been an absolute gunslinger. And again, a weirdo, like he never, he hadn't eaten steak in his life or some shit. Like he's just a weird guy. So Sam Howell, weird guy, throws the deep ball. That's the kind of thing that I love that I, near and dear to my heart. And he also looks like, as we talked about previously here on Splash Play of the Summer, looks like a guy who probably would have loved my old Tinder blog at Barstool. So I think that all fits me for me. Uh, Sam Howell, the play that I'll also give a bonus rider die pick for 300 yards, three touchdowns. And then he he's competing against Malik Davis in the second half, I guess. Who would you skinny with Hertz Brown Smith or Goddard? Uh, probably not Goddard. Cause I think he needs the most uh, kind of chunk plays to get there. I would say one of Brown or Smith, but man, I don't have a ton of faith there. Hertz is also going to be one of the chalkiest QBs of the week because the projection systems all absolutely love him. So I think that's something where, I don't have a lot of confidence in Hurts stacks. Um, and I think, too, they're going to be really overowned. So I would play Miles Sanders, honestly, over those guys. But, you know, you're, you can do whatever you want. I'll probably play some Jalen Hurts and definitely stack them up if I do. But I think it feels risky, and I think a lot of the field's going to be doing that. Howell could run a couple TDs in as well. That's a good point. He does seem a little bit mobile. Does seem like one of those frisky, take what's in front of him kind of guys. Probably more of a career backup, but there's always hope. That's the thing about new starters, like QB in particular. When they play that first game, there's always hope that they're like a guy where it's like, wow, you could be Kurt Warner. Like, I'll remember that from when I was a kid. I'll always hold that near and in my heart. Like, any guy who's a, a cashier at a grocery store, he can come in and be a, a top-caliber Super Bowl-winning quarterback. So that's what I'm going to hope for Sam Howell, even though it is very unlikely. Not a bad implied total for Washington, though, relative to what they've been all year. The Rams, 17.5 implied points. Seattle, 23.5 implied points. Um, I think this is a good spot for the Seattle offense overall. I do think with the Rams side of the equation, though, um, I worry about the motivation, but maybe they'll get up just to play spoiler in this game. And I think it'd be kind of funny. And it would also make Sunday night football better if Seattle loses this game. So the Rams are a, a six point dog. I'll take Rams win by four. I don't know that I believe in that that much, but man, could you imagine this one being the one thing that's like a complete wrench, what everybody expected where green bags expect them to play Sunday night football and basically be a win and in. I think that's something where it could be now both teams can win it in. That'd make it a lot more fun for Sunday night football. So I'll root for the most fun outcome. It's a Rams win by four here. Chargers, 18.5 implied points. Denver, 21 implied points. Maybe a little bit concerning for the Chargers and their motivations and their actual willingness to play their guys into the full, full stretch of this game. Um, man, I honestly don't know what to do. Um, I would say... I'll say the Chargers pull starters at halftime and Denver wins the game. Um, this is a weird total. I don't think Denver should be a two and a half favorite against any team that's actually playing to some full capacity. And maybe it's just like Eckler gets a hard hit on one play and then that ruins their plans to chase some records. 10% um, ownership going to Eckler. I wonder if that's going to be a little bit higher. I might fade the Chargers this week, honestly. Um, 
I'll play maybe a few of those Herbert uh, Eckler sacks we talked about earlier, but that's a bad total. And that's one that's come down a point throughout the course of the week or the over-under has. Their team totals come down 3.3 over the course of the week. So it seems like the markets are pushing towards the Chargers not trying. And that obviously would be a bad thing if you're playing Herbert or Eckler at any volume. So um, Chargers pull their starters at half. Denver wins uh, wins by seven, I guess. will be the way I do that. Arizona. Oh, my God. Arizona, 12.8 implied points. David Blau experiment not looking good against San Francisco. San Francisco is playing for something. They have 26.8 implied points there. This way, uh, the Niners' D is not going to be hospitable to David Blau as the Atlanta D was last week. So don't expect him to come even close to that one, even with what Jared Stidham did. Uh, that was with good coaching from Josh McDaniels as well as shockingly good throwing from Jared Stidham. David Blau is not going to have that same ability, and Cliff Kingsbury doesn't have that same ability either. So I would go for a Niners boat race here. Um, Going to be a chalky Christian McCaffrey this week. So if McCaffrey doesn't get the early touchdowns, you're probably seeing Jordan Mason. I'll say Jordan Mason scores two times the amount of touchdowns as Christian McCaffrey this week. Um, could probably get there with a projection-based thing, but fuck it. Let's go for the gusto here. Jordan Mason, two touchdowns this week. Uh, or I guess two times the amount of touchdowns that Christian McCaffrey gets this week. So hopefully Christian McCaffrey gets one or less. <laughs> the way that that goes. And then I win either way, because if he gets 2x0, it's still that's that still wins, right? That's how that goes. Sunday night football, Detroit 22 implied points, Green Bay 27 implied points. I would expect that total to close a little bit if Seattle loses their game just because of the motivation stuff. Even with Dan Campbell being a bit of a try-hard coach, uh, certainly is something where he's going to play if the game matters the most and play harder and play his guys harder if the game matters for them to actually get into the playoffs. Um, all right, I already picked Seattle losing. I'll pick Detroit to win this one. They're a five-point dog. Detroit wins by five here. Uh, normally, we'll take a showdown captain. And I guess Pete's not here, so fuck it. I'll do both. I'll say showdown winning captain. Um, showdown winning captain, Amon Ross, St. Brown. And then, uh, yeah, Detroit wins by five. Uh, I think Seattle losing is the most fun outcome if you want to have a good Sunday night football game. If you want to just be done with football and take a break before the playoffs, then, then don't root for Seattle to lose. Uh, but I think that's how that's going to go. And if Seattle wins, Detroit has no motivation besides playing spoiler. I'm sure they'll want to play spoiler to some extent, but to what extent, who knows? All right, guys. There, that Frederick summing it up well here. This is definitely definitely a fuck it kind of week. I would agree with that one. Uh, <laughs> David Blau, that's his name. The name again is Mr. Blau. Thank you for the Mr. Blau reference. I appreciate that. But yes, I would agree. This is very much a fuck it week. That said, I'll be playing Saturday. I'll be playing Sunday. I'll be on the Stochastic channel on Sunday as well, uh, doing the show with my pal Josh Engelman bright and early at 845 in the morning. So week 18, I've done my prep work. I'll be going into the same amount of prep work on Sunday morning on Stochastic. But I'll be building lineups. I think it's a good time to play DFS. Again, try to avoid the teams that are staunch avoids, teams that have the low totals, teams that totals have really dropped throughout the week. Those are my main recommendations for all of you guys. When you send me head-to-heads, no, I don't play cash, Willis. I would never – I wouldn't be caught dead playing cash. <laughs> As I talked about yesterday, the only joy I get out of fantasy football at this point is like I want to be the one guy who beats out 450,000 people. Like that's just how I enjoy and get fun out of this. Um, it's an entertainment sport for me. Cash certainly a profitable thing. Everybody's smart, I'm sure, to play cash, but but not for me. Either way, follow me at Chris Spags. Follow this show at Splash Play Cod, Pod. What well, not at Splash Play Cod? Who's the Splash Play Cod? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And of course, subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, leave a comment down below. Even if you're watching after the fact, leave a comment. I'm always happy to chop it up with you guys and just bullshit with you and out in the comments. And check the pinned comment down below too that I'm gonna drop in. Playoff best ball drafts went off big time yesterday. I'll be doing them every day next week. 
as well. So come hang out with me then. The playoffs are on the horizon. DFS still in our lives. And I appreciate each and every one of you guys for getting me through the season. It's been a tough one to figure out, obviously, with the schedules moving around last minute. Me having to adjust here. Me having to come up with different content stuff. But I personally appreciate each and every one of you who've hung out with me, even if it's watching one video a week, even if it's watching one video a month or one video a season. I don't care. I care about you guys. I love you guys. And I hope you guys are going to have success this season and definitely heading into 2023. So thank you guys for watching the show. Thank you guys for supporting Splash Play. I'll see you guys again soon. Good luck.